Hello, everybody. My name is Lenore Swiston, and I'm the host of Civically Speaking. And with me today is Phil Tank, a very renowned reporter, journalist from the Saskatoon Star Phoenix, uh, who has been around the civic scene the, at a local level, at a provincial level, and of course, um, always has his ear to the ground on all kinds of news that is going around. So welcome to the show, Phil. It's been a while since you've been on. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Glad to be back. Yeah. Yeah, well, and thank you so much. I know when I texted you kind of to invite you on today, I said it's kind of taken me three months to get myself organized that it's 2021 because it's like one big blur of things that in this COVID thing. And I was thinking back, you know, a year ago, um, just less than a year ago, yourself and myself and and David Curtin um, were chatting about COVID and what the heck about all of this. So here you and I are here a year later. And in the meantime, David Curtin has gotten himself to be a city councillor uh, with the city of Saskatoon. So, you know, things have been moving along and changing as much as COVID has put some of the things that we do on a day-to-day basis on hold. So with that, how are things with you? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, no, we're, we're looking right now at the one-year anniversary of uh, COVID-19 in Saskatchewan, that uh, day when everything changed, suddenly we had uh, the Junos were cancelled and the um, we had our first case of COVID-19 and the Premier ended speculation that we might have a spring election. Uh, it all seems fresh. I think I've heard people describe this as a year that seems like 10 years, but also seems like the same day over and over again. And, you know, I think uh, coming up on coming up tomorrow, it's a year of people at the Star Phoenix like myself working from home, I'm sure much like many others. Um, you know, occasionally journalists get out, out of the house, but uh, sometimes it's uh, it's just sitting at home, making phone calls, writing stories. Yeah, uh, obviously big changes to for everyone. And, you know, we, we see our case numbers dropping down. I noticed that in, in the Saskatoon zone uh, today, we're down to uh, the lowest point since before Halloween. It's a different story in the Regina zone with their active cases and their variants. But uh, so some good news, and obviously we're seeing. I think uh, I think starting tomorrow, uh, they're opening up for every everyone in phase one of vaccination. So we're we're starting to see how this pandemic will end. I don't quite know exactly when it will at this stage. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you're right. It has been kind of like ten years and end in a blink, almost in the same instance. You know, just as we were kind of sharing earlier. You know, a year ago we were having conversations you know all all of us kind of in the in uh, you know online and otherwise kind of musing about you know what's going to happen how's this going to go when will we see a vaccine will it be 18 months could we gosh knows could we see it happening earlier and here we are you know a year later and and literally shots have been going in the arms of people since since kind of late january you know in our province so it's it's almost amazing on the one hand and amazing on a whole bunch of other hands in the same in the same kind of breath. You know, Phil, for yourself, as you said, like your role changed and kind of, you know, as opposed to the scrums where you're on the step somewhere trying to figure out what the scoop is, what the story is. In the, in, in the journalistic world uh, where you've been in terms of writing stories, what have you noticed? Like what's been the, some of the biggest things you've reflected on in the last year as you've been kind of writing stories, um, you know, at a local and, and at a provincial level? Well, you know, if, if you go back to journalism school, they always, you know, one of the things 
uh, one of the recommendations is always do, do uh, interviews in person if you can, you know, yeah. because you see body, body language, you can strike up a rapport with them that you can't on the phone. And, you know, that it's even difficult on Zoom or, or uh, you know, online video platforms. So that's a little something that's been kind of sacrificed. Uh, you know, you, when you do have uh, media availabilities, it's often, you know, short, you know, when we call into the extremely infrequent news conferences that the province holds on uh, COVID-19, you know, you get one question and a follow-up and you, you know, if they don't answer the question, it's really difficult to challenge them. So I think it's given, um, it's given governments uh, an upper hand and certainly the Saskatchewan government has, has taken full advantage of that. I, you know, I think their response has been fairly political from the beginning, you know, when things were going well in the spring and summer, we had lots of news conferences and they were always willing to talk about how, how good, you know, the cases were and how we we're flattening the curve. And, you know, I did a story in January and, you know, we were ahead of only Prince Edward Island, as we know, is a very minuscule number of cases yeah. in terms of news conferences in January, when of course that was our deadliest month. That was, you know, we were leading, we're still leading Canada in terms of active cases and still leading Canada in terms of new cases over seven days per capita. So it's been kind of, you know, it, it's, it's really not played well into journalists' hands. We kind of have to struggle to do our jobs. Yeah, well, I appreciate the work that you have done because, you know, I've retweeted a number of your tweets and, and, and others that, you know, within the medical field and that in terms of trying to kind of get to some of the stories beyond just the formal kind of news that comes out from the various orders of government because it's hard to discern. They tend to amplify different things, right? Like even in the last kind of, you know, couple of weeks, it's the spin now from the, you know, various different provinces, our own included. And, and you know, to a degree, I can totally appreciate this. The number of vaccinations getting in the arms of people, literally. Um, but then there's the other story of still the number of active cases, the number of variants that have been out there, and the number of, you know, people that are still passing away from this in various different age groups. You know, when you do your math, Phil, like it from a from a from the point of view of where you're seeing this, like we're going to have enough vaccination, enough of the drug around to get into our arms. But when you do the math, what do you see in terms of, of a potential path of when we might all have it in our arms? Uh, well, of course, these are two dose vaccines, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, you're not fully vaccinated until you get the second one, although obviously you have, uh, there's increasing evidence that you have some protection after the first one. Uh, even if it's not complete. And of course, there's speculation that, you know, we might need to get annual shots uh, yeah. against COVID. Uh, you know, right now I see kind of the two Vs, right? The vaccines and the variants. And the, yeah. the variants aren't big of a deal here in Saskatoon, but, you know, our testing of the variants, so for the variants so far, and of course, almost all of them are in Regina, has been so, so behind, right? That's not really our fault, we, the, you know, the, the lab has become accredited in, in Regina to test for these variants. But, yeah. you know, obviously we're not the only jurisdiction that's concerned about them. So it's kind of like, you know, race the, the, <laughs> the vaccine. And, you know, it looks like at some point this week, phase two will, will begin booking. You know, I don't know when, when you know, how far off now the, the appointments are, but we're, you know, starting tomorrow, the remaining healthcare workers in phase one. and. Phase one is basically, you know, healthcare workers and people 70 or over. Yeah. There, that's all. But tomorrow morning, that will all be open to that 
to everyone in that age group and all those healthcare workers. And that just leaves phase two, which is the mass vaccination. So, you yeah. know, that's kind of cool to start to think that, oh, okay, you know, these, these groups, as we go down in age groups by the, you know, 60, 69, 50, 59, they all get bigger, right? There's more people in, you know, 50 to 59 than there is 60, 69 and more people yeah. 40 to 40. So, so it will, it won't necessarily move faster as we go along. Uh, but so far, I think, you know, it's encouraging that, you know, we don't seem to have a big mess in terms of registration, that registration, you know, the online and the phone booking seems to have gone fairly smoothly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it is that kind of, you know, I'm, I, I geek out on this stuff, you know, and I've been kind of following the trend lines of this, that, and the other thing when it comes to, comes to good old COVID-19 and, you know, I there there is some hope there, but I mean, the interesting thing of it is, is that there's still a lot of unknown with this. We know the vaccine works. We don't know for how long. You know, we know there's variants. We don't know if there's other ones yet. And that's what the you know the science is suggesting is yeah, these are the variants we know about. You know, we got to get in the vaccinations all throughout the world. You know, it's not just a, a it's not just an epidemic. It's a pandemic, and so. It's going to be interesting to see as we kind of arise out of this, how our, you know, different various orders of governments kind of work through and navigate back to that. So what's your sense if we look at this as the transition to kind of, I dare say it, but that new normal, but, you know, what is, what does that transition look like in the new normal from, from your perspective? What do you, what do you suggest might we see? At the and let's focus at the provincial level for now. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when we when we do say we, it's it's accurate to say that Saskatchewan leads in new cases and active cases, but yeah. they have been going down, and the gap has narrowed between us and say the national average and other and other uh, provinces. So yeah. it is it is generally uh, good news. It's not the same as if we were leading in, you know, if you had been leading in the summer, in the spring when it first hit, that would, <laughs> you know, really. Uh, really awful. So what I, I think, I, I guess, you know, at, I, I think it's on uh, the 19th, we see the end of the current, um, which is uh, Friday of this week, we see the end of the current restrictions. And I know uh, they're going, you know, they relaxed the uh, house gathering rule last week. Um, and, uh, and I think uh, worship services end. So I guess, I guess what we'll watch for this week is to see if some of the other restrictions might might be lifted like some of the you know I, I can't really see that but you you never know I mean it feels like we had a lot of outbreaks at bars and restaurants you know in January yeah. February maybe not so many now so like I guess we'll kind of see where uh, where that goes whether they whether the restrictions on capacity at stores is lifted um, you know and, and those sorts of things just you know I, i'm not i don't even know how much that will change our world because of course i don't see the mandatory mask rule going away anytime soon but it, it's just those little things that are a bit of a shot in the arm for some people and very and concerning for other people you know like you know they changed the household bubble rule but are also advising people at regina you know if you i believe it's if you're 50 year old that don't you know you're advised not to do it yeah exactly it's kind it of like, like go ahead well, you know, I mean, you know, other jurisdictions like, you know, Ontario is a, a good one is, you know, definitely had different restrictions for different parts of the province. And we did that earlier, right? We, we had, you know, uh, in May and June, you couldn't travel 
to or from the northern half of the province unless it was deemed essential. And, you know, when they introduced mandatory masks, first it was Regina, Saskatoon, and Prince Albert, and then a smattering of other communities followed, then eventually it was province-wide. So you wonder whether, you know, some different rules might be in place for Regina right now, where almost all the variants are, and they're, they're you know, they're double, they're, actually they're more than double the active cases in, in Saskatoon right now in a, you know, slightly smaller uh, population. So, yeah. Uh, well, they, it's well, it's still no indication that they're going to go that way for some reason. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's some people who could, you know, who might think, well, yeah, I, I think that'd be a good idea. Yeah, I agree with you on the sense that that's it's something that I've kind of weighed in on, even on the social media end, is that there's kind of like this mixed method m messaging that's going on, right? Because it, they've kind of they've taken the the, the broad sweep approach in terms of some of the, you know, the regulations, protocols and such that they've laid out. And then, and then saying, but if you're here, don't do this. And if you're here, be mindful of this. And it's like, uh, you're right, you know, and you make a really excellent point in the fact that we did have, you know, more um, targeted, as they said, a targeted approach on jurisdictions, um, you know, back May, June um, into the north. And I am surprised in Regina, they went the opposite approach where they opened it up, you know, today at Ezra grounds and, and, and anybody kind of 62 years of age or thereabouts uh, could go and get a shot in the arm as opposed to saying, maybe, maybe stay home. So it is interesting that they're, they're racing the vaccine against the variant and hoping the vaccine race wins out. So mm -hmm. I do find that curious. And I am curious to know on the 19th, um, what they do because we are going into Easter season and so you know as we go into that kind of week break with with students and all that sort of stuff and gatherings of this that and the other thing and the weather getting a little bit warmer you know it, it is it is going to be an interesting time to see how people react and respond to that any further thoughts on that well the warm, the warm weather is really a game changer right because people yeah get out of their homes they can go to people's backyards they can you know you see it all the time already they can go for a bike ride um, mm -hmm. you know uh i think i think when what's you know what we'll also start to see as things can open up is is what is no longer there right like there's restaurants that have closed and like it's difficult to put your finger on it until you actually get out there because some of the restaurants the restaurants that will have pivoted easily to takeout and delivery um, are not necessarily the ones that that might have closed or, or you know, it's, it's the fine dining, like the places that, you know, where the whole experience is about, you know, coming into the restaurant. And um, you know, there's a restaurant called Amy's on Second in Prince Albert that closed in November because of the pandemic. And it's just yeah. really seen the gem that, that uh, you know, that people won't realize what's missing until you realize oh you know that's not there in prince albert anymore in a city yeah. that size that's that's a pretty valuable uh, thing you know we have uh, lots of different options here in saskatoon but you know we, it's a, it's also not guaranteed that you know you know you could have um, until we know that we're going to open up for the summer some of these restaurant uh, owners could you know still be contemplating closing they might have got this far during the pandemic thinking well okay at least we're going to have the summer season and it's looking good right now, but it's not looking certain. So, I mean, you can imagine business owners saying, 
you know what, I just can't take this, take this risk uh, to continue on. I don't want to be pessimistic. I hope, I hope they don't, but I mean, you can go drive along 8th Street and see that, you know, there's places like uh, Mr. Mike's has closed and uh, the pickled bean has closed. Yeah. Um, so I, I think those things we might not realize until things start to get back to normal and you start to say, oh, well, I'm going to go out. Oh, but that's not there anymore. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I think anyone that, that has been kind of perusing around by foot or, or by bike or, or by, by even driving down kind of second avenues of the Saskatoons and, and along the main ways and in Regina and the other cities, as you've just mentioned, I think, you know, you are seeing a lot of businesses that shuttered and you're right. It's until you make the phone call to order from them thinking they're there, you might realize maybe they're not there. Um, there's a curiosity I have too about kind of, you know, the, what the provincial government needs to be really thinking about in terms of in the reopening. I mean, they announced today at a national level, jobs are coming back already. Okay, that's a thumbs up. Uh, but as we've just identified, you know, and they're saying it's coming back in the service sector and other sectors that were the ones they were hoping they would come back in. But I do, I do wonder about kind of, you know, the role of government. And we talk about this a lot of times, you know, in crisis about, you know, government can can become bigger, you know, and, and play that role, just like the Americans right now has become big government, right, with a, a, a trillion dollar bailout, you know, sort of speak to help to, to give a hand, uh, you know, up um, to, you know, middle class and lower class. What are your thoughts about kind of the role of provincial government potentially as we are rolling from a transition to a post um, kind of COVID world. Yeah, well, it's going to be, uh, I think, uh, <laughs> almost like, uh, you know, every government tapping the higher government on the uh, shoulder saying, we need more money. And, you mm -hmm. know, all these organizations saying we need more money too. Uh, like, you know, I did a story last week on Tourism Saskatoon, which, you know, so, so you know, their estimate is that just, this is just events that they were involved in planning, mainly sporting, and you know business conference type events that you know they lost out on 66 million dollars that is going to take you know three to five years to recover and yeah. a lot of that is and that tourism saskatoon you know their funding comes from uh hotel uh hotel bookings so yeah. those are you know, those are down well no hotels are, are sitting empty right now uh i believe the uh, CEO said some of the hotels are at four percent capacity, which you know we all know is not a sustainable business model. Um, so Tourism Saskatoon is looking to the province for funding just to survive, so we can reestablish the tourism industry. The airport we all know is in dire straits, and you know probably yeah. needs financial help from the uh, federal government. Uh, you know those are the things that you know I don't think we think of. We may not think of Saskatoon as a tourism destination, but like you know, who fills those hotel rooms, who fills those, uh, you know, restaurants, that sort of thing. So, you know, the government's role is going to be, you know, for a center-right government like the Saskatchewan party, I think, you know, people will be looking for a lot of intervention, which, which they've done, right? You know, they've had support for businesses and they've had support, you know, they've become involved in, you know, the education sector and the health, you know, healthcare centers, healthcare sectors there anyway, but, um, yeah, so I, I do think there'll be, uh, you know, lots of, uh, lots of changes. Lots of, uh, you know, we all talked about getting back to normal, but it, it's not going to be a snap of the fingers thing. Yeah, I agree. You know, that you may make some really good points. And I think, 
you know, the whole notion around the, the you know, tourism sector alone. And if you just, you know, the hospitality sector, um, you know, the, we've had a, we've had an uptake of new hotels on that in Saskatoon, for instance. And it'll be interesting to see in a year from now, you know, the bounce back, you know, the thoughts on the roaring 2120s, you know, the roaring 20s of, of the modern age. It'll be interesting to see what that bounce back is like, that if all those savings that we had from from not going out doing what we typically do during you know, our summer, fall and winter season all of a sudden just wants to be bolting out the door in droves. And, and we see a surge and an uptake that, that, that creates businesses that maybe thought they would shutter to, to maybe not shutter. Any further thoughts there? Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, uh, there's definitely going to be pent up demand for just about everything. Um, yeah. you, you think about, uh, uh, you know, all the events we kind of enjoy. We think about the summer festivals. Well, they're, you know, those are still kind of hanging in the balance, right? We don't know if they're going ahead. Uh, we don't know if, uh, you know, the, the jazz festival is apparently, you know, at least discussing booking um, uh, booking acts. So, um, yeah. you know, those are the things, you know, obviously the things that really make Saskatoon a gem of the city in the summer uh, yeah. that we you know, lost out on uh, last year. I. You know, we, we also talked about City Hall here. It, it's generally the, uh, you know, in tough economic times when governments are short of cash, it's generally the municipal level that gets pummeled, even though that's where most people uh, in Canada live now. So I guess mm -hmm. it will be interesting to see those sorts of uh, disputes going forward. We haven't seen a lot of that so far, but at some point, you know, the federal government's going to say, well, we can't just keep giving out money and this province yeah. is going to say this thing and the, you know the city is limited in how they can uh collect revenue right it's, it's transfers from the higher levels and uh property taxes yeah i agree and i think that's i mean you know it's just like it's like any kind of crisis that happens it's like you know the federal the federal is kind of the first to mount some sort of emergency aid you know the state government you know provincial level comes in next and then you've got your local that has to pick this up for the years that follow, you know, decades that follow. So it is going to be interesting in the case of, you know, our our, our uh, city of Saskatoon in terms of what's going to be um, some of the pressures on them in the in the years to come, whether it be festivals, small business, or even some of the other projects they have in place. In the last in the last kind of you know, three, four minutes that we have here, Phil, you know, and a new story that's arisen and, and you've seen it in the paper and that around Marquis Downs and that. Any thoughts that you have on some of these? Because that's a big announcement just for listeners tuning in here in the last minutes of Civically Speaking. This was around kind of Marquis Downs announcing through the Prairie Land exhibition that no more horse racing now um, and a shift towards looking at a soccer's uh, professional league of soccer coming into the stadium there. Any thoughts on that, Phil? Well, we, you stumbled on my uh, column topic this week, so I won't give away too much, but uh, I think, um, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think the suddenness with which horse racing was canceled is, um, I think that kind of stunned the city. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, a lot of people in the city, uh, obviously, you know, that's considered an, uh, an industry like that everything that revolves around uh, the, um, you know, and I think there's a lot of questions out there still, like will professional soccer survive in Saskatoon? Will, you know, um, will this league survive? I mean, this is an 18 league that's in its third year. Yeah. And, you know, 
the established leagues like the CFL uh, reaching out for, uh, you know, a partnership with uh, a fledgling, uh, an upstart league in the States, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much money they need to build a stadium there. It, it yeah. feels like, you know, it, it feels like this was, you know, I, I understand the people in the horse racing industry and, you know, they, they don't feel they were consulted on the cancellation this season at Marcus Downs. And they certainly don't feel they were consulted on, you know, <laughs> the permanent cancellation of, of yeah. horse racing. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it one of those. You... Maybe it wasn't sold well enough in Saskatoon, right? Like that, you know. I got an email from someone saying, "Geez, we, you know, we never promoted horse racing in Saskatoon, so maybe, maybe there was an opportunity to do that." I'm just, just not sure that people are, you know, there hasn't been a soccer, uh, a Canadian soccer professional league for like 30 years, I think. So there's probably a reason for that too. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I know that our you know, our populations are changing. The interests are changing. Soccer is definitely one of the most viewed sports worldwide. You know, so if we, if we look at kind of the changing patterns and the makeup of our cities going forward, there may be some good rationale there. You know, the way it's handled, I, I think there's some challenges there. And I mean, it's interesting, right? Because we have the opposition party at the provincial level weigh into this, which you don't typically see something narrowed down to that. So it just tells you that there's there's lots of, you know, pressure being put out there and questioning by, you know, the most vested stakeholders in this to, to get some answers. So I have I have empathy that, that for the for the horse racing sector that probably thought, well, we're gonna get back into this. And all of a sudden, what? <laughs> you mean what? So you, it makes me wonder though, Phil, and here's here's the rumorish in the back of my mind, because I've heard a few of them, is that there may be some other parties that are gonna take the horse racing um, um, on, on to themselves. So it'll be interesting to see if there is, Prairie Land is announcing they're wanting to get into soccer, if there's another entity that's out there that's wanting to take up the horse racing. It'll be interesting to see if there's something else, some horse trading going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, you know, and, and it's tough to predict, you know, like soccer has traditionally been a tough sell for, uh, you know, yes, lots of everyone plays it growing up and people watch the kids play, but it, it's been a tough sell. It's a spectator sport in Canada and yeah. the States it has changed a little bit. I'm not, I'm not quite convinced that you can sustain a professional team, but then, you know, when the Saskatchewan Rush came here, who thought people would pack the, the stadium or the uh, Sastel yeah. Center to watch lacrosse, which I suspect most people had never watched before. But yeah. again, that's a that's that's kind of a new experience that people you know maybe haven't seen before. I think people have seen soccer, and you know, I'm just not quite sure. So I'd be very interested to see. You know, I think a lot of people would see horse racing uh, uh, land somewhere else. I, I yeah. don't know. I have those rumors myself but uh, i look forward to uh uh seeing what happens yeah for sure well you know what phil we've come to the end of our time if you can believe it so thanks so much for joining me I, we will definitely back as a regular here i've already been uh telling a, a counselor uh curtain who used to be our colleague here on our panels that uh, to expect us to get back together and and have some good questioning and behind the curtain with david curtain uh in the future but thanks phil tank uh, reporter journalist here in Saskatoon for joining me here. Lenora Swiston is host of Civically Speaking on 90.5 FM CFCR.ca by dial and uh, through the ether wave. So take care, everybody. Be safe out there.